It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to Community Radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. I'm Claudio Mendonça, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. First, they asked. Now they're demanding. Water districts all over California are announcing mandatory use restrictions in response to the severe drought that's plaguing the entire state. The California report shares details before an exploration of the effects of long COVID in children and young adults. The California News Service has a report about a bill to add nearly 4,000 acres to Berryessa Snow Mountain National Monument. And after regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt and Homer Nottingham discuss Tai Chi before Barbara Ravines closes our newscast with a commentary about how fashion choices affect our environment. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We are in an increasingly serious drought, but by and large, Californians haven't responded to appeals to reduce their water use. So now water districts across the state are putting mandatory restrictions in place. In Southern California, the Metropolitan Water District, which supplies water to millions of people in several counties, has declared a first-of-its-kind water shortage emergency. Starting in June, the roughly 6 million MWD customers who rely on water from the State Water Project, which gets its water from the Sacramento-San Joaquin River Delta, will be restricted in their outdoor water use to only one day a week. Officials estimate that the State Water Project will only be able to deliver about 5% of its normal allocation this year. Now looking ahead, the Metropolitan Water District says even stricter water usage measures may be implemented, including a total ban on outdoor irrigation, which could come as early as September. Meanwhile, in the Bay Area, nearly a million and a half people in Alameda and Contra Costa counties now face new drought restrictions. The East Bay Municipal Water District has approved a mandatory 10% reduction in water usage compared to 2020 levels. But it could have been worse. The original resolution was for a 15% reduction, which some board members like Frank Mellon supported. The 15% sends a message that water is a precious resource. If we don't use the water, there's more water left for other districts, other uses, uh, for farmers who need that water for their food crops, uh, for fish and the other aquatic animals that want to have that water in the river. The Water Board agreed to revisit the reduction amount in November when it will have new data on how much users actually conserve over the summer. Last month, Governor Newsom ordered urban water suppliers to implement more aggressive conservation measures. He also directed the State Water Board to consider a ban on watering what he called non-functional grass at businesses and other properties. Let's turn to the pandemic. What little is known about long COVID in children and teenagers suggests that it can be just as disabling for them as it is for older adults. In Los Angeles, KPCC health reporter Jackie Fortier spoke to one family who connected the dots before the doctors. On a Monday morning last August, 15-year-old Lucas Garcia was getting ready to leave his family's apartment for the second week of his sophomore year. Everything seemed normal, but shortly after we were about to walk out the door, I started feeling sick and I started running to the restroom. Lucas and his parents thought it may have been food poisoning, but a test at a local urgent care confirmed it was COVID. 
Here's Lucas's dad, Robert Garcia. The doctor starts to go into, you know, keep him at home for two weeks. When he was telling me this, I could not believe what I was hearing. He was shocked because the entire Garcia family had already had COVID once in December of 2020. Now that they were all fully vaccinated, Robert couldn't believe that Lucas contracted COVID again. That's what was hard when he would ask, you know, when will I get better? And the doctors and mom and I were like, we don't know. Lucas suffered at home from severe head and body aches. He became so sensitive to sound that he asked his parents to whisper. The TV was too bright to watch. Walking to the bathroom left him exhausted. As the weeks dragged on, his father recognized the symptoms. Both me and my wife had long COVID. Uh, For me, it felt like months. Long COVID is a term devised by patients to describe the lingering symptoms they experience well after the initial infection. Symptoms vary widely, but include fatigue, cognitive problems, anxiety, depression, and insomnia, as well as heart, lung, and gastrointestinal symptoms. Lucas had almost all of these symptoms for months. There was no visible sign of me getting better until I got to Children's Hospital, and then they said, You know, we specialize in this sort of thing, so there's a chance we can help you. And just a small chance was a miracle to me at that time. Lucas was extremely worried how long his symptoms would last. Would they ever go away? And would he be sick forever? Dr. Sindo Mohandas is a pediatric infectious disease specialist at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. She treats children who have long COVID. So having seen other patients in our clinic, we are first of all able to offer some perspective about how the other children have been doing and provide hope that even though these symptoms seem to be all-consuming at present, there is hope that with time they will resolve. Coronavirus infections vary widely. Some people have relatively mild symptoms, more like a cold, particularly if they have been vaccinated. For others, the infection is potentially life-threatening. About one million people have died from COVID in the U.S. alone. But anyone, no matter the severity of their initial illness, even those who are young and healthy, can develop long COVID. Dr. Mohandas says her youngest long COVID patient is just nine months old. There is no direct pharmacological treatment for long COVID. So the other important thing that we do in our clinic is uh, suggest lifestyle modification, especially given the severe degree of fatigue. Mohandas estimates between 10 to 20 percent of children infected with the coronavirus will develop long COVID. In L.A. County, that could mean thousands of kids. I think you have to understand these are long symptoms. It's months and sometimes more than a year to resolve symptoms. Lucas ended up missing three months of school, finally returning in November, though he says the brain fog continued. It was extremely hard at first to even just read simply, but every week it just got better and better. But now it's significantly improved. It took six months before Lucas felt like his normal self. Now he's part of a nationwide study to better understand the condition in children. Dr. Mohandas says the best way to avoid long COVID is to get children vaccinated. So they decrease the chances of getting long COVID. If there was a breakthrough infection and someone did go on to have long COVID after vaccine, the number of symptoms they have is nearly halved. In the coming months, Dr. Mohandas expects to see more children in her clinic with undiagnosed long COVID, as well as families hoping for answers. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Support for The California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com. 
Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, April 27th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day. A bill that would add an area known as Walker Ridge to Berryessa Snow Mountain National Monument and change its name to Condor Ridge has the support of local lawmakers and of the Yocha Dihi Winton Nation. Local lawmakers and Native American leaders are speaking out in favor of a new bill to add almost 4,000 acres to the Berryessa Snow Mountain National Monument in Northern California. The bill would add an area known as Walker Ridge to the monument and change its name to Condor Ridge, a translation of the native name Molokluyuk. Ben D.C. with the Yochadehe Winton Nation says the land has been inhabited by local tribes for more than 11,000 years. It's a meeting place, a traveling route, a trading route. It has a lot of cultural significance to the people who've lived here for millennia before the first European settlers. The Bureau of Land Management currently oversees the area. A few years ago, developers proposed a windmill project that did not come to fruition. Backers of adding the land to the monument say it would protect the area from future development. Lake County Supervisor E.J. Crandall, a member of the Robinson Rancheria tribe, says the windmills would have endangered the raptors native to the area. The hawks are very special for regalia-making, and they're signs in our culture for a good outcome. So if you see a hawk in the area, you get a sense of peace. The bill would also formalize a partnership between the U.S. Forest Service, BLM, and the tribes to co-manage the land for historic preservation, archaeological sites, and forest health. The Senate version was introduced by Senators Dianne Feinstein and Alex Padilla. It mirrors a House version, sponsored by Representatives John Garamendi and Mike Thompson. Support for this reporting was provided by the Pew Charitable Trusts. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. The Nevada County Library has announced that beginning Monday, its open hours will return to its pre-pandemic schedule. The new hours will include Saturdays at the Truckee, Madeline Helling, Grass Valley, Bear River, and Doris Foley Library branches, as well as evening hours at multiple branches. We are so happy to be offering Saturday hours again for our community, says County Librarian Nick Wilkzek. We know there are plenty of people who will enjoy using the library on weekends, so we are glad to be able to provide this option once more. Evening and Saturday hours will vary by location. For a full list of Nevada County Library's hours and locations, visit nevadacountyca.gov library. Turning now to regional weather, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, a warming trend in the forecast. Tonight, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly clear, with a low around 39. Thursday, mostly sunny, with a high near 58. Thursday night, clear, with a low around 40 degrees. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, tonight mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly clear, with a low around 29. 
Thursday, sunny with a high near 47, and Thursday evening will be mostly clear with a low around 23. A lake wind advisory goes into effect from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. tomorrow, Thursday. Lake Tahoe could see wave heights of up to 3 feet, and small boats, kayaks, and paddle boards are advised to remain off lake waters until conditions improve. Moving to Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 46. Thursday will be sunny with a high near 72, and Thursday night will be mostly clear with a low around 48 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on Community Radio. KVMR-FM. World Tai Chi and Qigong Day is this weekend. Earlier today, Felton Pruitt spoke with Homer Nottingham, a local Tai Chi and Qigong master, about the events taking place in Pioneer Park. We're talking with Homer Nottingham. He's been doing Tai Chi and Qigong in the area for the last 20, 25 years or so. And we've got a One World, One Breath event coming up this weekend at Pioneer Park on Saturday, April 30th. Homer, why don't you tell us what the whole event is all about and uh, what we can get out of it? Okay, thank you very much, Feldon. We'll be doing a World Tai Chi and Qigong Day Saturday morning, 9 a.m. at Pioneer Park. All the merchants in town have given us merchandise uh, to do a silent auction. We'll also have food and beverages there, of course. It'll be at the at the band shell, and everyone is invited. We'd like to invite the entire community. It's for one world, one breath, and especially needed this year, we're going to be doing world healing. Now, that means that every town in the whole world, all the way around the world, will be doing Tai Chi and Qigong at that time at 10 o'clock in the morning for world healing. So we'd like to invite everyone out. It'll be a fun event. The Grass Valley Taiko drummers will be there drumming that morning. We'll have the Kung Fu kids from Body Balance that'll be there doing their Kung Fu. And it's a great event to watch. And then we'll be doing some Tai Chi demonstrations uh, so people can watch us. And then everyone will be invited to join us for the Qigong exercises, which is for health and wellness. So we'd like to invite the whole community to come out and enjoy it that day. And uh, it'll be a very, very much fun event. Now, any donations made that day uh, for the uh, for the silent auction, we'll have a raffle there with a lot of different items in it from the merchants. The merchants have been very generous in our town. And the artists, the artists, I've got to say, I can't say enough about the artists. They've given us 50, 60 different art objects that we can also auction off. 100% of the money that day will go to the children's uh, for the children's benefit in our community. It'll stay right here in the community, 100%. It'll be through the Gold Country Kiwanis. So the Gold Country Kiwanis is sponsoring it, along with the South Yuba Club. And all of the money will go to Nevada County Media uh, for children's programs. They have many, many wonderful children's programs over at Nevada County Media. So I'd like to, again, invite everyone in the entire community. It will be a, a wonderful day. You'll be learning a lot about how your body works. It's an educational class. We'll have many handouts there about the immune system and the endocrine system and how it works. And we'll be also be exercising all of those inner parts of the body. You'll, you'll learn a great deal there. For health and wellness, of course, Harvard Medical School has done most of the research on Tai Chi and Qigong. 
And they also say it's one of the best exercises you can do for brain fitness. It actually changes and increases the size of the hippocampus, according to their research, which is a huge benefit in this day and age to help prevent us with dementia. So it'll not only be a great event for the children in our community, it'll be a great event for your own personal health and wellness. Come on out, join us. Be happy to answer any questions you might have that day and just join us for a fun morning. And maybe afterwards we can go over to the Earth Day downtown. So thanks for for listening and hope to see you on Saturday. So that's One World, One Breath. It's happening at Pioneer Park this Saturday, April 30th, starting at 9 a.m. We've been talking with Homer Nottingham. Homer, is there a website where people can get more information or a phone number they could call? Yes, they can either phone or text me at 530-263-1627, or they can go to my website, homer at homernottingham.com. Happy to answer any questions they may have. Well, get everybody healthy this Saturday. It's a big world event at Pioneer Park starting at 9 a.m. Thanks for the info, Homer. Thank you very much, Sheldon. Fashionistas, be aware. We all like looking good, and clothes, as they say, make the person. But what we buy and our fashion choices impact our environment. Up next, 25-year Nevada County resident Barbara Ravines shares this commentary. Like many other women, some men too, I have participated in a lifelong love of fashionable clothes. Yes, it makes me feel very good to wear something shiny and brand new, but I have recently realized that it's bad for the environment. My fashion hasn't always been cheap, but my closet and drawers certainly contain way more than I need to stay warm or cool. And of course, I'm not the only one. The $2.4 trillion apparel industry has evolved rapidly over the past 20 years. Cheap production and lowered costs for consumers, along with the influence of social media, has produced an avalanche of cheap clothing. Fast fashion production is based on a model of take-make-waste, designed to be worn and discarded within a short period of time. Textiles are disposed of in landfills or incinerated. Apparel companies conservatively produce 100 billion garments per year. Less than 1% of those, that clothing, gets recycled. 40 tons of textiles, 87% of it clothing, is landfilled and incinerated. The industry is responsible for 10% of all carbon emissions. Textile processing consumes 20% of the Earth's fresh water. It pollutes rivers, streams, and groundwater with high levels of pesticides and harsh chemicals, many of which are carcinogenic. 60% of all clothing is made of polyester and contains microplastics. Washing garments made of polyester and other synthetics accounts for 35% of the ocean's microplastics. Thanks to EarthDay.org for these statistics. To add insult to injury, fashion companies greenwash their clothing by making false claims of sustainable fabrics and methods of production. The true sustainable efforts made by brands and retailers are minimal and cannot possibly be scaled to the magnitude of their output. Citizens alone are not able to regulate fast fashion, though we can reduce our clothing footprint by consuming less. 
Repurposing or recycling is another option. Government needs to do its job as well. Regulations could help by promoting legislation that will hold the fashion industry responsible for cutting emissions, disposing of used materials sustainably, limiting the use of virgin synthetic materials, and clearly labeling whether the clothing they make is truly sustainable per Fair Trade Commission Green Guide or imposing a carbon tax on all clothing made from synthetic virgin materials. Mandating the very new clothing washing machines has a filter installed to capture plastic microfibers. Restricting the manufacture, import, and export of clothing containing harmful chemicals and substances. Eliminating unfair practices for apparel workers working below minimum wage or for piecework in unsafe factories and also to create multilateral accountability, holding not only factories liable for unsafe conditions and unpaid wages. Also banning the importation of clothing made with indentured servitude or child labor. Educating consumers on how to effectively recycle used clothing. We here in Nevada City and County can learn new methods of making our personal fashion more sustainable. We have a number of very good resale places of clothing. I know many people who find wonderful bargains at our resale stores, and there are several of them within the city. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. KVMR gets support from Simply Country, family-owned farm and feed stores since 1964. Carrying organic feed, alfalfa, and supplies, also food for farm animals and pets, from parakeets to horses. In Grass Valley and Penn Valley, simplycountry.net. And Sierra Moon, family-owned in Old Town Auburn. Customers can work closely with a jewelry designer to help create a one-of-a-kind piece. Also specializing in jewelry repair and bridal designs. SierraMoonGoldsmiths.com Keep it here for more local programming. Up next, it's The Sages Among Us. And then, at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now!, followed by the music you love, Celtic Cadence, at 8 o'clock. Thanks for supporting your community radio station. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Have a great evening and join us right here tomorrow for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.